What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with Alex Ross, uh, also CUNY, that's the uh, AKA. Uh, he's a founder of Family Over Fame. He's also an artist and entrepreneur, and I'm really glad to speak to you. Thanks for coming, Alex. Anytime, brother. Anytime, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's go back. So you grew up in Halifax, is that correct? You were born and raised. Um, yes, born and raised in Halifax, Uniac Square, to be uh, Pacific, and um, yeah, born and raised. So tell us about the life in, in Halifax as a Black Canadian, because it has a rich Black history, right? So it's this the province that uh, in Atlantic Canada has the richest Blackest history, and in, in Canada as well, things like Africville, you know, North Preston. And it, so tell us about life growing up there. Um, to be honest... Uh, so I grew up with my mother, uh, my grandfather, my grandmother. Unfortunately, I never had my father in my life. But um, having those three individuals to be a part of my journey and be a part of my life, they showed me the ropes, what uh, family meant. Uh, we grew up in a low dominant Black community, which was Uniac Square. And um, we went through a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? Like with like violence, you know. Uh, drugs, you know what I mean? On top of that, seeing drug addicts around. So we was, I was around like all this negativity as a young child and stuff, but I was still positive and just trying to make it through as like a positive kid. So that's why I always try to say to um, other people and other individuals, my story is literally about um, being a positive kid around madness. And um, yes, just trying to just survive and just trying to make it through and just be a positive kid and doing great things. That's pretty amazing what you just said. You said a predominantly black neighborhood in Canada, uh, in Atlantic Canada. I live in New Brunswick. Uh, that's unheard of, of a predominantly black neighborhood. Uh, also PEI, uh, never heard of, or Newfoundland and in right. Nova Scotia is quite, so, what does it feel when you say a predominantly black neighborhood is again, it is mostly black Canadians or immigrants. Uh, yeah. But as far as the atmosphere, is it the same thing that you would see in the state? Like not a lot of funding for communities, not a lot of support from, from rural, from, you know, the urban areas. How, how is that like? Um, to be honest with you, man, it's like, uh, we don't like growing up and uh, starting my business. Um, we, I didn't really have like much funding and stuff. Like when I used to go to these uh, black organizations and stuff, whatever, um, it will always be like a process or you just can't get the money or whatever, you know what I mean? On top of that, when we try to go to uh, banks and stuff, we just couldn't get any loans as well. So literally as being a black entrepreneur living in Nova Scotia, Uniac Square, I literally had to um, work at these jobs and, um, and take the money from the jobs that I'm working at and invest it back into my, in my company. I couldn't be able to ask um, my grandmother, my grandfather, or my money for 2000 bucks to start up a clothing business or ask them for the money to invest it into my CDs, right? I had to like get this out of the mud and figure out a way and a master plan how to uh, pick this up off the ground and make sure this is successful. Wow, that's... Uh... That's that is quite 
like another like mostly uh underrepresented neighborhoods that's that's usually how it's like i don't know if you uh if you heard the damon john story which you know he's like the godfather of urban clothing which is fubu and he said that you know he grew up in queens new york which is far away from where we are and uh he got rejected by 27 banks and he said i didn't even know there was 27 banks (laughs) <laughs> and I found out and they all rejected me. Uh, yeah. And that's, again, that is usually the black experience. I mean, um, I, I will tell you a story off record about something that what with a Nova Scotian clothing brand, which kind of amazed me versus another clothing brand. And I was like, whoa, this is uh, a little bit interesting to be said, but we'll talk about that off the record. So uh, UniX Squares, for those people that never been there, Explain to us what it is and, and you know, how is the community there? Um, back in the day, there was like a lot of violence, you know what I mean? And um, people were uh, getting killed. You know, there was like census slaughters that was going on. Um, so there's like a lot of like negativity that was surrounded by the neighborhood. But now going forward, like the day and age that we're in right now, there's a lot more like positivity that's uh, coming out of the community. Like you have like Hope Blooms, um, you have Sunline Studio where a lot of the younger individuals record their music at on as a side note, that's where I recorded my music at as well. And I still do tell this day. And uh, you have the Parent Resource Center there and um, you have all these um, positive things that are going on because back in the day, uh, we never really had that, really had much of that, right? We just seen um, just negative negativity, right? We just seen a hustler on the block selling drugs or whatever, or, you know what I mean? And shoot, the only thing we could look up to is the person that's on the block. Cause that's literally all we've seen, but like, there were like be the odd thing that would happen like here and there, like the square town tournament, but there wasn't like a consistent um, positive thing that was going on. It was just once in a blue moon, but I would say like Unix where it came a long way. And um, we just trying to spread positive awareness of the community and what the community is about. And that's that's super interesting that you said that it was surrounded by violence at one time, uh, drug dealers shooting. Like when people think about Canada, uh, mm-hmm. we think about this melting pot, peaceful place that there's like, you know, like where's no violence, nothing's going on. And when we think about Atlantic Canada in particular, we think about woods and things like that. Right. Not necessarily stories coming from there pop out like things like that like you just told me don't pop out why you think it's that why you think it's things like that haven't been in the forefront and we a lot of people don't even know about it um to be honest with you man it's um so i I, I, to be real with you i just feel like they feel like black people isn't capable capable of doing nothing you know what i mean like it's uh and that's what gave me like the motivation, the drive to show that it doesn't matter of the color of your skin you wear. If you literally put your mind to it and um, you stay positive and know that nothing does happen overnight, man, anything is uh, anything is go, you can get it, you know what I mean? And you can do anything you put your mind to it. So I just want to just be one of those uh, Black entrepreneurs that's coming out of Nova Scotia. And obviously, like, there's always room for improvement for my business, but I just want to show people in my community that if you can do, if I can do it, you can definitely do it as well. Yeah, that's true. So did you always had this entrepreneurial mind, like when you were a little kid, or is this something that just came up as you grow up? Um, To be straight out with you, bro, it's like, um, 
my mother is a money getter. You know what I mean? She gets, she's, she's always been a hustler, um, always worked jobs and stuff. Right. So she was always, um, always had the hungry mindset to always go get it. Obviously born and raised in Union Square. So all I seen was people just either hustling, um, freezy cops selling to the kids or whatever, or they could be hustling with selling drugs or whatever. Right. So I always been around that hustler mentality where I was like, I don't want to do anything negative. I'd rather take my energy and put into something positive. You know what I mean? So I, I came up with a quote. It was like, um, what did I say again? I was like, why would I hustle on the block? Why I can, uh, I can have a business and hustle to the world. You know what I mean? So I just always been, with the hungry mindset and that's just how I've always been. I can tell you myself that uh, my entrepreneurial came from my mother as well. She's like a business owner and she always is, she, she came out for one of the poorest places in the Dominican Republic and, and built herself up to the ground. And that that's where I, that's where I got it from. So it's, it's kind of, you know, as I said that you didn't grow up with her father, it's kind of good that you saw your mother as the head figure and, and you kind of saw what what it takes to be like that. So now when you grew up with your mom, like how was school with those in that area? Like that you went to, is there a predominantly black school there or is it like a like you had to go to another type of school that is more predominantly white or is it a school nearby that you guys grow up on? Um, there was a school that was nearby the community. It was called uh, Joseph Howe Elementary School. So that was like um, 80% like black children and like 20% white kids. And I think there's like 5% like um, uh, Arabic children that came too as well. But like this is when, um, this is a time where it wasn't much of the Arabic community that was in our community at the time right now. But um, yeah, it was just... Growing up with my mother, man, it was, I learned a lot. She didn't show me how to be a man. She just showed me what it's like to uh, be a good kid and have manners and stuff. And, you know, anytime I would walk outside and leave the door, she always made sure like respect goes a long way. And if you want people to, res if you want, if you want people to respect you, you got to respect them and stuff too. Right. So she, um, yeah, she showed me a lot and I, I love my mother for that. Yeah, I definitely respect. Shout out to her. She definitely seems like she did a good job. So uh, before the clothing and the apparel thing, you were an artist. That's that's your first thing. So how did that came about? When did you start it as a rapper artist? So I started making music when I was like 11. And um, that was like when I was in junior high. And um, I just always been like somebody that just wrote deep stuff and I always wanted to be the type I always was the type to write things about my life and write about how my father was in there and writing about the struggle and living in poverty and stuff right so I just always wanted to be the guy that who they can who the people can relate to and talk about their stories as well right so yeah I started when I was 11 and then building up and building up my resume with being a musician in 2015 and that's how i came up with the concept family of fame and um family of fame the concept came out 2015 but the clothing brand didn't get launched until like 2016 and that's when like things started picking up with the brand and stuff well so the brand has been there since 2016 
Yeah. Oh wow. So it's it's been it's been there for a while. I I mean, uh, what do you contribute? For example, I I found out about it through the Halifax Examiner, uh, mm-hmm. and I found out about it, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Uh, and I see that you put like billboards and stuff like that in the city, uh, so you're getting more recognized. Uh, what what do you think it has brought up to that to to that kind of buzz that you're getting now? Um. A lot of people coming around, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they start seeing the the process because to be honest with you, man, it's uh, I remember back in my high school days, um, people seen what I was doing, but I never had the clothing brand. That's just when I was doing the music and people would laugh at me, you know what I mean? And think like, oh, this ain't going to work. Did it? Uh, you're just another Nova Scotian rapper or just another black person just trying to do something right. So I would just say, man, like, looking back at my past that kind of not kind of that really fueled me to prove people wrong some people might have not just meant it by oh you just can't do it it was probably just like they just could their their mindset was so cloudy that they just couldn't see it you know me and there could be another half where people just didn't believe right so um but yeah i see a lot of those people like coming around that doted from the jump and they're starting to say oh man congratulations oh i, I knew you can do it but the back of my mind i'm like you didn't believe from the jump, right? But um, that's definitely one of the most things that are like standing note. And also like, uh, I got to give a big shout out to all the day one supporters that have been supporting too, because um, if it wasn't for their support that was supporting from day one, we wouldn't be where we're at today. So uh, big salute to them. Yeah. And and I think some people, it's not that that they don't believe. It's, it's also, I think it's perception. Because for me personally, like, I am a product of hip hop music and I, I lived in different countries and things like that. And, and the, the thing about here uh, in the Maritimes is that uh, when you look at uh, hip hop, which is a predominantly black culture, uh, it was created by blacks and, and the most famous rapper is actually white. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're, and you're like, wait a minute, uh, wh- what's going on here? Right. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I think that there is a perception that when people see a black rapper from Canada that's not from Toronto, which because right now Toronto Drake has put it in the map. But before there was guys like Cardinal Official, uh, you know, Master Fresh West, people like that. But when it comes to Atlantic Canada, uh, when when we come to culture that is predominantly black, the representatives are not black. The no, people it's... that are noticed are not black. So when they see a black rapper, they think like, oh, you're you're not gonna make it because yeah. the guy that made it is white <laughs> right yeah exactly um yeah <laughs> do, you, do you want me to answer that or just <laughs> yeah yeah go ahead what's what do you think about that what, what's your perception about that um i think that narrative should change to be honest with you um i gotta still like i i support classified and i support quake and um all of these legendary artists right but it would be great to see black musicians get out there as well you know what I mean because man this is a black thing you know what I mean right so it would be great to see some black faces have some same spotlight or more uh yeah just yeah have some same same spotlight and more yeah and also I think the fact that 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 pulls up because I think what people don't understand about urban or hip-hop culture that it transcends more than music uh, like you see with your clothing brand, uh, back in the day, there was, you know, graffiti art, which is now called street art. 
uh, there was break dancers or breaking, there's hip hop, there's clothing, there's, there's branding. Like, and right now it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? It's like a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Like what you see with Drake that has like cast the Toronto Raptors have the OBO thing. And here you're trying to do that. You're trying to transcend uh, the culture based on positivity in a predominantly black neighborhood uh, and, and profile it to your story. Uh, which is, I think it's an amazing thing that you're doing. So ha having come into that, what do you think has been the biggest struggles to to put that culture forward to what you're trying to do, to move it forward and, and get it to where you dream or what you want it to be? Um, to be on honest with you, man, it's um, us as Black people, um, the only way we're going to get ahead if we uh, support our, support one another. You know what I mean? Because like, um, especially in Nova Scotia, and this is me being honest, um, sometimes it's hard for us to support one another because when you see, it's like when you see that crab making it out that bucket, then all the other crabs are on the bottom of the bucket trying to pull that crab that's trying to make it out the bucket down. You know what I mean? So we need to get out that crab in the bucket syndrome mentality because when you look at all these different uh, communities like the Arabic community, the white community, the Asian community, and the list goes on, they actually all support each other. And shout out to all the Black people that support um, other Black businesses and other Black artists and all these uh, different Black organizations. But I just feel like us as a Black, as a black community, we need to come together. And um, that's definitely the biggest struggle because when I'm hearing all this negativity and stuff and hearing like people like hating on my success, it's like, it's my own. And I'm like, man, I'm really trying to put us on the map, but it's like my own's like hating on me. Right. But it's um, hopefully we can change that narrative because I support all my brothers and sisters. I just want to uplift and uh, have a brighter future for the, all of us and, um, and see if all, see all of us do great. Yeah, I, I definitely support that narrative. I think, I think it's quite important. And I mean, I think when you look at all those other, uh, you know, racist, Asians, Arabic, I think one of the things is that they learn, and I will say that they learn this from the Western culture or the white man, is that if you look at uh, white people, sometimes they don't have to like each other. But if there's a common goal, they will unite on that common goal. Not necessarily that we, we don't have to be friends, we don't have to be uh, anything, but if there is a common goal, we, we can unite on that common goal and help each other on that common goal. And I think sometimes uh, that gets lost in translation. Uh, I've seen Asians do it pretty well. Asians, they don't they don't hang out. They're not, they're, they're not <laughs> drinking beer to each other or, or like having a bit. But if there is a business mm -hmm. or there's somewhere that they could find trade, which is started with trading, mm -hmm. they will come together and say, like, wait a minute, if you sell rice and I sell rice, uh, and we can both export this rice, we can sell it more and, and get profit from. We don't have to like each other. Like when we're back home, I hate you, I hate you too. Cool, right. no problem. But when it comes to this goal, we we need to come together. And, and I think that's, that's something that in Black society, uh, especially in Canada, it doesn't, it, I, I relate to what you're saying, that you're saying like, well, somebody's getting some type of success. I don't like it, but I'm like, wait a minute how can I help or, or how can we help each other in something? Not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, anything. We don't have to be friends or we don't have to be like buddy buddies, but how can we help each other? 
what can we do that us go each other? Uh, and I think that that is very important to to get. But also, I can tell you that it's it's made that way, especially in Canada, because mm-hmm. again, um, you are from a predominantly black community, uh, and there's other predominantly black communities in Nova Scotia. But when you look at the history or you look at the system, how it's made, those communities don't show or nobody even notices outside of this realm. Right. So I, I, I think that's the that's a part of, of what missing the message that other communities don't know about each other or what they've been through or they don't even collaborate with each other because they're like, we never heard of you. Like, like we, right. we don't know even what you do there. So so I think that's that's part of it. So going back to family over fame, once you release the clothing, like when you release the clothing for the first time, how, how did you do it? Like what, how did you start it? Like, did you went to a shop and got like, Hey, can I make these t-shirts Do you got the design? How, how did it happen in 2016? Um, so I went up to this place called two color guys. Uh, my cousin has um, had his own uh, screen printing um, shop and um, he goes by the name of Buzzy Brown. And um, I told my cousin, I was like, cuz, man, I need to get hooked up with some hoodies. I need to get hooked up with some T-shirts. Um, can you hook me up? Whatever. And uh, he did his thing. He ordered them for me and stuff. And uh, to be honest with you, when we did first start selling the clothing brand with the hoodies and stuff, um, people were interested, but they weren't buying them like right off the get go. You know what I mean? So like we would sell like one here and there, whatever. Right. But like, sometimes I would have to give away some product to uh, get it up there. Or sometimes a product would stay there for like three to six months, just because um, it's not really selling, you know what I mean? So looking back on that journey and seeing what we've been through, like we really took this out of the mud and um, yeah, we brought it from, took it from the ground and brought it up. So it's been a crazy journey. And um and I loved it, right? Because I'd rather take um, the the stairs to my success instead of taking the elevator to my journey. You know what I mean? Because it's more rewarding and you know every single step of the way of your success because like, I don't want to just be handed everything. I'd rather things being built up and me knowing it. And um, and if it feel, it hits different when, when it's self-made and when you do it yourself. Also, I didn't, I'm not saying I did it myself, but like, I did it myself, but also had the support of my family and my close friends that helped me, right? So, yes, because I, I even saw that your family models the clothes, like that you get your families, your cousins to model the clothes, you take the pictures, you get a, and, and a lot of people don't know that this is like locally made. This is all made in Nova Scotia, right? Uh, which is it for me, it's amazing that you are portraying that. I think, and I think you should sh- show more of that, that this is a, this is made in Nova Scotia. People from Nova Scotia are wearing this or, or the Maritimes or Canadian, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's, it's kind of impressive because a lot of, uh, for those of you that don't know the clothing industry, a lot of things are made overseas. 100%. Dropship. Like the, the, this is not stuff made in Canada. This is stuff probably made in China. It's printed there and it gets shipped to somewhere, some warehouse, and then it gets shipped to you. But this is, this is a locally made product and, and people are eating about this, not just you, but other people that do do this work. So how do you feel about that, that you are able to pull off this, pull this off? Not a lot of people can pull this off. Like 
having everything done in a certain province? Um, to be honest with you, brother, it's um, I spent like a lot of like long nights um, trying to figure out how to make this happen. I remember staying up like seven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> just trying to figure out like how to market, how to build a website, you know what I mean? Um, find what kind of materials are better, what's better, polyester or cotton, you know what I mean? Like we, we really like been through a lot of stuff, you know, we took a lot of L's with building this brand and stuff, you know what I mean? So it's um the people that see the success of it, only if they knew the L's that we took of it, man, they'd be like, damn, these guys really came a long way because it's not like a story where this happened overnight. Like, man, like my mother helps me with like the deliveries and stuff. Um, my cousin Sidel helps me with like the ideas, the creativity, the marketing side of things. How can we uh, get it out there to a different audience, get it out there to a different province? You know what I mean? So it's just, I just really am grateful for the family that I have and the support system that I have as well. Because um, usually when, because when I left high school, a lot of parents um, wanted the child just to do what they want them to do. But I had a mother that was like, if you're not going to just do what I want to do, like if you have something that's in your mind and that you want to go do, then you go do it. I'm going to get a hundred. I'm going to be 110% behind you. Right. And you don't really find that too much because I went to Citadel High and a lot of these guys that I went to school with, their parents are like, you have to be a doctor or you have to be um just something what I say and you have to do it. But my mother was like, no, whatever you want to pursue, I'm going to get hundred percent behind you and uh, we're going to help you make this happen. So uh, yeah, man. Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. So is Citadel high school uh, part of the neighborhood or is it just uh, school, the closest school to your neighborhood? Well, it's the closest school that's in the neighborhood. So it's like, it's on the commons. It's still in the north end, but it's not in the north end, but it's on like the commons area. So like it's like a split between like the north end and like the south end central. Yeah. Oh, wow. That 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 is kind of interesting. And is that uh, it like when you said that you have to be this, this that comes a lot from immigrant parents. Like I uh, I know a lot of immigrant parents and usually when they come, they said to the kids, you need to go to school and you need to become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. <laughs> that yeah. is uh, quite quite something. So I'm assuming that that school was uh, had a lot of immigrant folks going there because that's that's usually how 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 it goes to. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like how was high school in that area? Like it's, it's kind of curious because. I, I don't know. You've been to New Brunswick, I'm assuming. You've been to New Brunswick and PEI or places like that. I've been there like once or twice, but I haven't like explored like the different communities now. Okay, so if you come to ever come to New Brunswick uh, or PEI, you usually are going to be black kid number four, two, three, one. <laughs> okay. Usually that's 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 how that numbers is. It's it's a it's a very low population color population. Uh, so when you're the black kid, you're usually the only black kid or two black kids in school. Mm -hmm. how, how is it? And again, you you grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. You went to work. Eighty percent of the kids were immigrants or or black. How was the high school? Was it the same? Um, so going to high school at Citadel, um, it was like a mixture. So it was like a mixture of like the black kids, the white kids, every kids and Indian kids. Like it was like, cause this school actually, um, 
So there used to be a school, a high school called QE, and uh, there used to be another high school called St. Pat's. So they used to be two different high schools, but they shut those high schools down where everybody that used to go to these high schools all went to Citadel and, um, and yeah, and they all came together, right? So it's just a definitely a different um, atmosphere because the high school was huge, you know what I mean? And it's just a lot of different people that you wouldn't see in your junior high, but you're seeing in high school. So it's definitely a lot of different cultures that I went to, uh, that, that went to Citadel. So it seems like diversity has been in your, in your, in your life this whole time. So it wasn't, uh, uh, compared to other places in Canada, it wasn't weird to you to see other black Canadians or other immigrant people because you grew up with them. You, you verify what up with them. What, what in comes to other places in Atlantic Canada, especially the rural places, it's, it's not that common. It's, it's really not. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's, there's a black person here. And they start asking the black, the black questions like, where are you from? Oh, right. I'm from Halifax. No, no, no. Where are you really from? Or like, Oh, what's your hair like? And you know, things like that. So it, and and that's one thing that we expose in this podcast that we're not all alike, right? Like you, you come from from this predominantly black neighborhood, and you have this wonderful story that you that you have a family that supports you, and and you have something unique in a sense that it's black owned, uh, it's it's made in the where you live, and you know it it comes from a place from a story, right? So that's mm -hmm. definitely something that uh, I. I think it's very, very unique because when we think about the East Coast, we think about fisheries and lobsters and like sea, but we don't think about, you know, black families trying to provide black businesses, trying to put positivity, trying to to express their uh, their art or their lifestyle uh, mm -hmm. through fashion, uh, which you can see that in in many places, actually. So what what do you think your future holds? Where do you see yourself five or 10 years from now? I see, um, I definitely see this clothing brand being like a, a worldwide Canadian brand or a, like a, just a worldwide brand. Also, um, definitely probably being a family man with some kids because to be honest with you, man, it's like, uh, um, with this brand, a lot of people like see me in the spotlight and they see my face like everywhere. But they have to recognize that I'm not hustling for my first name. I'm hustling for my last name. So what I want to do is as soon as my kids get older, I want to be able to give my businesses and give it to them because they can they literally have they can have like three options so they can find a job somewhere else. The main priority is where I can give them my businesses or the third option where they can create their own businesses, right? So I want to give them like three options uh, in the future where they can choose whatever they want to do. But um, as long as I accomplished my, as long as I, I did, I did my part and was like, I built this up and I want to give this to you guys. And if you guys want to take it, that'd be amazing. If not, then you guys had the option, right? So that's, that's where I'd see myself in the next five or 10 years. That is beautiful, my friend. That is something beautiful that I that I hope you accomplished it, and uh, definitely will be in the forefront in the forefront of that. I, I think it's amazing what you're trying to do. Uh, now, there are a lot of entrepreneurial organizations in Nova Scotia. Uh, I've been part of some, like Bolta. There's the BBI. Uh, there's a couple of things. Have you had? Uh, have you reached out to them to get help on funding or mentorship and things like that? 
Um, to be honest with you, back in two, uh, two, uh, 2016, um, I tried to reach out to uh, BBI. I went to one uh, session, but um, I feel like the trying to get the money or trying to get the loan was a bit too long. So me being like a go-getter and just wanted to get things done, I was just like, I, I, I just can't wait no more, whatever, right? And they told me the process. So I was like, I need to go get this and make this happen, right? Because I'm, I'm just a fast worker. I like to make sure that I just like to get things done. And I don't like just sitting around just to waste time, waste to waste time. If we're really going to get down to business, well, let's get down to business, right? So I, I reached out to them one time, but it's just, um, I just, it just didn't really follow through in my favor. It was just, um, yeah, I just basically did it myself and took the money myself and invested into my company. Well, I can understand because uh, timing is everything. I think people don't understand that the most precious thing in life is time. You can get everything back, money, houses and stuff, but you can't get time back. And right. the more you wait, the more, you know, like it's like, OK, you're losing time. And it's like I I, I can definitely uh, understand that. And uh, I hope, you know, BBI listen to this. Hopefully uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to listen to this and hopefully we could get so get give black people some money which they are but i mean i can tell you that the the process and the bureaucracy and the loans and things like that and and i could tell you by myself as an entrepreneur that when i uh apply to a couple of them i'm like oh my god this takes a long ass time it's it's, right? it's incredible but it, it 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 is a process so uh alex if people want to find you where do they go they want to find your your yourself your story your brand where do they go to so you can go to our website which is www.familyoverfamefof.com and if you search up on like all the different platforms like tiktok um, instagram facebook twitter you can put connie ross or you can put family over fame and you'll still find us on all those platforms as well okay and my last question is, uh, what do you think when you say black in Atlantic Canada or black in the Maritimes, what does that, what does that mean to you being black in the Maritimes? Being black in the Maritimes. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I would definitely say like going, you know, a lot of, when they see somebody that's black and to be, I'm going to be so honest, they don't think that we aren't capable of doing anything. You know what I mean? Like they don't think that we can start a successful business. They don't think that we can start something like a food, a successful food company. It's like, and I'm just going off my experiences, right? Because when I usually tell, when I usually wear my family or face masks or I wear my family or fame um, hoodie and stuff, whatever. And uh, people ask me, where do I get it? They see it everywhere. And they say, who owns it? And I say, I own it. And people be like, you own that? I'm just like, yes, I own that, whatever, right? But it just, I want to just be that person to change that narrative, be like, you know what, man? Like, this is us. We come from the Black Maritons. We come from Africa. We come from Uniac Square. We come from these greatness, greatness, uh, this greatness kind of communities where if you put your mind to it, anything's possible, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. So it's like um, we went through a lot of hard times as being black individuals, but we're trying to change that narrative and give them a different perspective. 
All right, that's amazing. So, uh, Alex Cooney Ross, th thank you very much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, for those who are listening, buy Family Over Fame. Definitely, uh, I'll be doing it. Uh, right. So, <laughs> uh, definitely buy it and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at Black and the Maritimes, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and peace out. Thank you so much, my brother, man. Thank you.